Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. My name is Matt Love. I'm here with Pastor J.D. Greer, um, and we have a listener question today that is, um, unfortunately, J.D., probably a little bit, a question that's probably more common than we we wish it was, Um, but a question we know that a lot of people are asking. And um, So the question, J.D., today is, how do you handle it when a Christian leader falls? Yeah, Matt, that's a very very painful question, and I know that um, for some this there are few things quite as devastating as seeing somebody that you have looked to as a spiritual hero, a mentor, father or mother type figure um, in the ministry that suddenly falls. I mean, sometimes it's somebody you see from a distance whose teaching has had a big impact on you or whose whose life has just modeled for you what it means to walk with Jesus in incredible ways. Sometimes you, you know, somebody that's up close, maybe somebody that not everybody's heard of, but just had a big impact on you. And then you start raising questions like, what well, were they always a hypocrite or was this just a, a moment of weakness that they got caught in or was everything they ever taught me a lie? Um, I'll just tell you, I've, I've had to wrestle through a lot of this because sadly, um, a lot of the men that I looked up to in ministry, I could name several of them, names you would probably immediately recognize who have disqualified themselves from ministry. There was you know, a book uh, that was written by Paul Tripp called Dangerous Calling, and it was on the danger of being called into ministry. And the irony is, um, if you open up the cover and look at all the names of the guys who endorsed the book, they were all really good friends of mine. And all of them, except for one on that page of endorsements, all of them have fallen um, from ministry. And so I asked Paul Tripp that. You know, he's a Paul Tripp's a Christian counselor, and he said, he said something I, I you know, that I've never forgotten. I've shared it in multiple contexts. In fact, I might even have shared it here and asked me anything, but I think it bears repeating. As I said, why are these guys? Why? Why do, do mega church pastors and mega leaders? Why do they seem to fall at such a high rate? And uh, you kind of lean back in his chair, and he stroked his his humongous mustache, and he said, "He said, well, there's there's two things, and they're a deadly cocktail." As he said, number one is they lose peer community, and by peer community, he said it's. Yeah, I'm talking about the kind of people that look into your life and can call stuff out. They don't work for you. They're not impressed with you, and they can speak truth to you. He said most of those people have community around them, but not peer community, who's really their equal that's not impressed with them and, and can speak truth. He said the second problem is something that compounds the first and uh, makes the first deadly, as he says, they forget the power of indwelling sin. They think that somehow their success in ministry or how much they know what they've seen somehow moves them beyond that initial call in following Jesus to die to yourself. I mean, I'll just tell you, Matt, that now, you know, having been a Christian for over 30 years and having been in ministry for, you know, a good 25 plus, the fight between the flesh and the spirit never goes away. It never gets easier. Um, it's not something you suddenly just get into a plane where you forget about it. That, that, that the, the raging of my flesh against God is as real as it ever was. I mean, Paul said that Romans seven, you know, as a, as a apostolic leader, Paul said, I'm convinced still in my flesh, there's nothing good. And that just tells me that to the day that I die, um, I'm going to have to be on guard against where my flesh could take me captive, so to speak, and sabotage my ministry and destroy the things that matter most to me. Um, I I think that's how you you think about it is what happened is they probably let those two factors in some way overtake them and their flesh, which Jesus died for, and which they probably sincerely preached, you know, Christ for many years, they let their flesh 
overtake them. When that happens and it affects you personally and you're dealing with that disappointment, a few things I try to remind people is that, yeah, at their very best, they were still very flawed and they were never designed to be your savior or to be your hero. They were there just to be a signpost to point to Christ. Now, hopefully that they'll point consistently to Christ by their life. I and mean, that's what we want. But they're just a lot of figures in the Bible who started that way and then disappointed. I mean, think about how many Old Testament heroes ended their lives and their ministries in disappointment. I mean, Moses, you know, had that humongous failure, not just at the beginning of his ministry, but at the very end where he wasn't allowed to go in the promised land, David. I mean, I'm in the middle of teaching through the life of David right now. And the last, I don't know how many years it was, but the last, you know, several chapters of his life was just one disappointment after another. You know, one of the things I often tell the Summit Church when I'm preaching through these people in the Bible is these stories are not primarily there to give you heroes to emulate. They're there to give you a savior to adore. And it's a tragedy when somebody that was there to model trust in God for you lets you down. But ultimately, they were never really there to be the object of your faith. They were just a they were just a means by helping you put faith in the right thing. One of the things that Paul says in 1 Corinthians is he recognizes that at the beginning of your Christian life, you tend to you know, lionize certain people. And they did that to Paul, you know, and you had a whole groups of people in, in Corinth who were like, I'm, you know, I'm a follower of Paul. And others are like, I'm a follower of Apollos. And, and Paul basically says, look, I mean, yes, God used us in your life. I know that we have a large presence. And for a while you look at us like heroes, but that's a sign of immaturity. At some point you get off of the celebrity Christian and you got to look through the celebrity Christian to the savior they were always pointing you to. Because at some point, at some level, every leader will let you down. I don't mean every leader has some you know, skeleton in their closet, some dirty little secret. I don't mean that. But I mean, at some point they'll fail you. And the sign of maturity is that you can look with appreciation on those who, who helped you come to Christ but you can look beyond them and say, where they disappoint me, I know the Christ behind them never will. So maybe their fall is an invitation from the Holy Spirit to you to grow up in your faith a little bit and uh, and not think about the one who failed, but about the one who never does. Um, last thing I try to tell people is um, if that happens, don't try to restore them too quickly. In fact, a lot of times they never really should be restored to ministry, at least the way they were doing it, you know, public leadership. There are certain sins in that category that while you can be fully restored to God and fully forgiven, just in this earthly life, they should never again occupy that position. I won't go into the ins and outs of when somebody is in that particular category, but um, I would just say in general, don't try to restore them too quickly. Allow them the space to really be able to walk the path of humility and find true restoration. Sometimes we blame these, these men and women for coming back so quickly, but we bear some of the blame because we're calling for them to come back as if like, oh, I'm so desperate for their gifts that I, I just need them and I need their presence. And that's a disservice, not just to you, but also to them. Give them space to, to walk a little bit in isolation and in quietness out of the public eye to allow them space to repent, to see if that repentance is genuine. Just restoring yourself so that you can jump back up on the platform again. Well, there's a lot of mixed motives in there that may have nothing to do with godliness at all. But when you're willing to labor in obscurity with nobody praising you, nobody noticing you, nobody paying you big, big amounts of money to do what you do, when you're able to do that, that's what real restoration looks like. And so give them space to do that. All right. Well, thanks so much, GD. Obviously, a question we wish we didn't have to think through, but but something we know that happens and, and we know is uh, kind of happening more frequently than we wish it was. And so it's good to be able to think through some of these things. So thank you for that. We hope you come back next time on the podcast. We're going to be answering the question, a question around divorce. 
and kind of when that makes sense or doesn't make sense and how to handle, um, especially how to handle a marriage that, we, that you feel like is not going well. Um, so we definitely encourage you to come back and listen to that. Um, and then in the meantime, follow us on social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those are great ways to get more from Pastor JD and just hear about things that are happening in his ministry. And then you can also always go to jdgreer.com for all sorts of great resources, articles, podcasts, book stuff, all the good stuff that JD's thrown out there into the world. You can find it on jdgreer.com. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time on Ask Me Anything.